met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee. Uh, for tonight's episode, we're doing another swap cast, uh, and we are joined uh, by the host and creator of MetaMindCast, Sir Robbie Marks. Now then, Robbie. Hey, how's it going out there? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. Um, thank you for joining us again. And um, today, we have got back with us. Um, you know, the last episode we did with him, Robbie, was extraordinary. Now, I know we have problems with the audio, but we know what the problem is now, and it won't be happening again. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, the host and creator of uh, Dave Petrella um, YouTube channel. Dave, now then, Dave. Hey, General, thanks for having me back. Hey, what's up, Robbie? Hey, how's it going, Dave? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. yeah, the um, that, the last episode we did, I loved it, and it just tickled my brain out. We just could not get it on anchor, <laughs> and we ended up, I ended up splitting it in two. Um, but I think what was most frustrating is um, I had other people look at it as well, and no matter what, we just could not get it on. But <laughs> <laughs> we sorted, we're good, and um, we're here again. Yeah, so I Dave, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So, Dave, um, I know we've uh, like briefly spoken about uh, numerous subjects, and um, you mentioned some that specifically that um, raised my attention. Something that is just uh, it's just beyond fascinating. The old uh, the old civilization, the Egyptian civilization, but the symbology. Um, that's what I find quite um, intriguing, and I know yeah, you're absolutely. familiar with it. Um, would you um, occur to go uh, into the details on that for us, please, sir? Yeah, sure. Um, well, basically, basically, it was kind of back at the beginning. I mean, even when I was a kid, we had all the picture books and everything in the house, you know, the, the large illustrations. And so you could see all the detail and all the wonderful colors and everything. And, yeah. um, you know, for me, it was really it was really ancient Egypt. That's what really uh, got my interest back when I was really young. And, you know, it's it's easy to understand why, because it's so um, so it's at such a magnificent level, especially uh, visually that it's astonishing you know with all the gold and the jewels inlaid and everything and the death masks and all the stuff king tut's tomb you know so yeah, the uh, dog man it's just all this 
Oh yeah, yeah, new books <sighs> and everything. And so, yeah. and so the thing about it for me was that I said, okay, like there's something else that happened on this planet that's otherworldly, you know. And I wasn't using those terms as a kid because I didn't know that, but I felt it that this was something uh, that surpassed, you know, sort of the everyday boring life and uh, the stuff that just kind of happens humdrum on the, on this planet every day. So I really took an interest to that because I said there's something going on here and it's actually, you know, it maintains my interest. It's something that's higher than the earth plane. Uh, and, you know, at the time I, I didn't really know where I was going to go with that, but I read every book I could find. You know, I was always at the library checking out things to learn more about it. Um, and then when I started to read more, I started to read more about the texts and about what people were using as explanations, you know, mm. and, uh, and I think it's really important, you know, when you, when you see something or when you're reading something, uh, we were all entitled to our own uh, opinion about how things happened, you know, timelines, events. Um, I would say probably when I got, uh, maybe like say late high school, probably 17 or 18, I, I finally started to say, you know what, maybe even 16. I'm like, Okay, so this is what you guys think about it, and I understand you. Maybe you have a PhD or you have a degree or whatever, but you know what? I'm gonna put it on hold for a minute. And I'm gonna come up with what I think about it because I don't. I, you know, you guys think would agree with me. I don't care necessarily that you're claiming you're the expert on it because maybe I don't agree with that. You know, you, we all we're all entitled to our viewpoints on things. So that was one of the things exactly. that opened things up. Yeah, it, op it opened it up for me because. You can get information from any source. It can be through college, school, university. It can be through downloads that you're getting directly, you know, connections with the psychic realm and all this stuff. And so there's lots of ways to come at it with information. Well, and, and also within that realm, you know, of ideas, um, steel sharpens steel. So it's the idea that, you know, you work these ideas and you try to refine them into what is the most you know it's basically like philip k dick says you know reality is what is what persists so you know when you come down to studying these things a lot of times um there there is a lot of politics involved you know just like um, oh. we've seen in, in current days as far as how politics can act you know yeah yeah i mean i think that's the old uh, the old fascination for it all um gentlemen is We've all got our own perspectives, and um, to me, I respect everybody's got their own beliefs, and I respect your belief and Dave's belief. Um, if I didn't, I think that would be a bit hypocritical, because there's always there's always different different options. Oh you know, yeah, what, whatever you think's right at that time. Yeah, and the thing too with um, with specifically with astrology specifically, since I am an astrologer, I do do tropical astrology, which is uh, actually based out of ancient Egypt and ancient Babylon. It's, it was kind of um, the way I look at it is kind of like an amalgam of the two cultures that came together. They contributed pieces. For instance, the the glyphs, which are the symbols for the different signs of the zodiac, that came from Babylon. Um, and the teachings, I, th I think, maybe were more refined in Egypt. You know, it's hard to say because, again, we weren't there. Uh, I know it works because I hang my hat on it every day, you know, without thinking twice about it. But the thing is, is that I think um, coming to a better understanding is really the goal. And I agree with what Robbie said, too, that it's um, – I'll come in with what I think it is. But you know what? I am absolutely humble enough to say 
hey, if someone outshone me, I'd be like, man, you you got it. Um, and I give, I stand up yeah. and I give them an ovation. Mm-hmm. Um, but Don't we least... see at Abydos? Um, there's a uh, there's a large zodiac on the ceiling in one of the temples there. Mm-hmm. I so think that's you... I think Dendera, right, Robbie? I'm pretty sure. Is it Dendera? Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, as as much as you go through and look at a lot of this stuff, the depth of it is is you know very intensive. I mean, you you couldn't ever learn everything. I mean, you're literally talking about you know an entire lifestyle, culture, like religious, like everything in regard to the you know. I mean, it's it's a very deep topic to dig into. But we do have evidence of zodiacs in in you know various places in Egypt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be the oldest visual depiction of the Zodiac. I believe it's on the ceiling, actually, too, which is even more intriguing. And there's like cobalt blue, and um, it's quite beautiful if if anybody wants to look it up and look at pictures of it. Oh, definitely. Oh, sorry, bro. Good. good. I was going to say, what what was it called again, Robbie? Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, you could, oh, you could the Dendera Zodiac, uh, General, if you wanted to look that up. That's in, in Dendera Zodiac. Yeah, it should, I believe it's Dendera. I believe it's the same one. And that's also the one with the um, that light bulb that's carved into the sandstone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's very strange, that uh, the old light bulb situation. Yeah. This is actually what make of it. This is actually a different one than I was thinking of. The one I was thinking of the well, and this one has cobalt blue as well, but the one I was thinking of actually has, uh, what is it, Nefte, that is birthing, like, uh, time and being, and she's, like, arched over, and then underneath her is, um, is are the stars. So, yeah, but this one, I've seen this one as well. This is a great one, the Dindara. Oh, definitely. Is that, um, I thought that was, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but Newt or Newt? But that was the lady in the sky. Yeah. The and that has to do, yeah, Newt. That sounds right. That's right. It's you know, I'd have to get charts of all this. I a lot of this stuff I haven't looked at in a long time. So totally, man. Yeah, yeah. But that's um, it's you know, and and this goes into cosmology too. And the reason, what I would say, the reason is, is that her back is bent like that is because it's trying to depict what are called the spheres, which me and Robbie have talked mm-hmm. about. We did a great show on it. Robbie came on my show on the YouTube channel. Yes, and yes. Uh, when you're bent, you know, it, it's trying to show that it has uh, like a concavity to it. Right. Almost um, like the dome of the heaven. Exactly. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, of course, what it is. And that one in particular, um, if the stars are below her, then for me, that's indicating the way that I teach it is that the stars are actually in the eighth sphere uh ruled by uranus mm-hmm. and then above that would be the ninth and or the tenth sphere so i'm assuming mm-hmm. that you know she's probably i'm assuming it's probably trying mm-hmm. to depict her being in the ninth sphere ninth sphere yeah yeah because of the ennead which is the the great nine gods of the egyptian pantheon yes yes so in that number nine you know it's it's um it's basically it's either nine or ten and I, I had a discussion with Santa Spinacci about this on his show back in June that for me, and I think he agreed with me, is that the nine is kind of like the last step where you have to do work. And then when you 
cross over the 10 is that completion event where you're not actually doing anything. You get to enjoy the fruits of, the, of your labor, so to speak. You've surpassed the veil of what reality is and you're in another dimensional realm of existence. Exactly, Rob. Yep. I agree hundred percent. It's just, uh, I mean, already, what, what time are you on, Robert? What's that? What time have you on already? Uh, oh, well, 10 uh, minutes in. Mind three, blown already. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. Hey, Robbie, I was going to ask you. Yeah. You still got that. You still got that picture pulled up. Where, where's the cobalt blue in that actual um, relief? Like, where did they color that in there? Oh, as far as uh, the uh, Dendara? Yeah, Dendara. Yep. Um, I see it as the negative space basically but i'm okay, seeing so it's... several representations um but i believe the actual analysis of the ceiling itself um they actually used cobalt um for the negative space that is essentially the uh the sky you know the sky okay all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna take it up another level for you guys here with cosmology mm -hmm. so this is something that i don't i actually never talked about this on a show before because it just hasn't come up right. um which is why i love this because yeah because i i never know what is going to come up you know and there's all kinds of stuff as with both you guys stored in the back of our minds that you know you just you try to find a way to fit it in um but basically in the ancient world each of the spheres is equivalent to one of the planets now there were there were seven uh, traditional planets, including the moon, which was con it was considered a planet, which right. that's also why I teach it with astrology. It's not a moon. Um, and the thing about it is that you got the bottom seven, at which goes basically from the moon all the way out to Saturn. Mm -hmm. Include it includes again includes the sun, in a different location than is traditionally uh, taught in schools and everything. It's actually the sun would be in the fourth sphere, mm -hmm. according to the flat Earth model. So each of these spheres, you know, inclusive of the planet in the sphere, also has a complementary uh, metal associated with it. And right. they all guarantee, they all knew this. And this is the core of, really, it's the core of alchemy, too, when you're talking mm -hmm. about transmuting metals and everything. So basically, I'll just go through really fast, but I'll go through the bottom seven first. The moon is, the moon is first. The moon is the first sphere. And the metal is silver. And if you look at the moon, you know, look at the color of the moon um i mean if you've got like a red blood moon or something yeah it's going to be slightly altered but i'm talking your traditional moon is like a whitish silverish color you know that's it's it's actually showing you hey this is my metal you know these things are not they're not going to not fit it's actually not as hard as people think it is so it's silver um and then the next one is going to be mercury that's in the second sphere, <clears throat> excuse me. And of course, mercury is, the metal is mercury. mercury which is right. the only, it's the only liquid metal, uh, yeah. which is a very peculiar thing. And actually that's a fascinating topic in itself. There was, yeah. um, there's been mercury found and I know at least of two places in uh, tombs buried yeah. beneath pyramids in both uh, Mesoamerica and in yeah. China. The temple of the vulture is one of them. Oh, is that the one? And is that the that's Mayan the one? one? Yeah, that's the one inside. And it's they actually said it was red mercury, um, which would require very high levels of uh, electricity to transmutate that. Um, so there's there's a there's this old alchemical um, 
talk about calling down lightning. Um, and they believe that, that there was actually a process of transmuting metals um, by calling down, you know, the plasma of the heavens, you know, and this basically gets into the whole idea of, you know, illumination and the lightning strike and all the, the you know, the, uh, the baggage that comes with that through all the different histories, you know. Well, that sounds uh, fascinating, Robert. Mm. But, well, also, and when you get into the Vermont, uh, the, uh, the, what is it, the Upanishads, or which one has the talk about the Vamanas as far as the Indian texts? I think that was an alternate one. I think, actually, it's interesting because that text is disputed as to its authenticity. I think it yeah. was found in, like, the 1800s or something. I have no mm -hmm. idea. But I've always they, believed there were flying machines. I've always yeah. believed that when I was a kid. And and they talk about using red mercury to to basically, you know, spinning into electrical fields that create like that bubble that allows for the levitation and the move. But that red mercury, the fact that, you know, it has this technology aspect about it, the fact that we found, you know, a chamber completely full of it underneath the temple of the vulture in South America. And I'd be interested in regard to the one in China, you know, um, I've even heard there was like lakes of not lakes, but like pools of mercury in front of uh, some of the pyramids. Um, so they could stand on top of the pyramid and essentially look down and stargaze and not have to cock their necks up, you know? Wow. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Actually yeah. yeah. All right, so this is interesting because oh, and, and so how do they get it red, Robbie? How, how does that work? I've never heard. Well, of red that's the whole thing. You, yeah, you have to have such a high level of energy um, to basically cause it to turn red. At least from what the you know the understanding of what I've read. So, but but it's associated with uh, transmutation, um, you know, and basically uh, from one of the, one of the things I was reading, they were saying that um, the only way we could supply that much energy to to transmute it to red mercury now would be with a nuclear reactor, you know. So, uh, well, then, yeah. well, then, uh, I mean, it's probably not this, but do you think it could? Um, have anything to do with oxidization or anything along those lines yeah it's hard to say i'm i you know um the whole red mercury i just have noticed it um like popping its head up in a couple random places through history and you know some brief talk here and there within scientific you know journals about it um it, it's really uh kind of a phenomena in the whole matter you know Mm, yeah, yeah, it's like it's not something you hear of often at all. Right, right. Yeah, the other yeah. thing that's the other thing that's interesting about that too is that it makes me and I had already just mentioned alchemy, but mm. when I think about those two words together, I think about blood actually. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Because one of the essential elements in alchemy is mercury. You know, maybe right. that's an illusion, maybe it's not, but oftentimes, actually, the spinal cord fluid which I do mm -hmm. a huge amount with this topic, it's probably my number one topic, right. uh, is that it's actually referred to as quicksilver or the mercury of the body. Yes. Yeah. The uh, quicksilver messenger service. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's by, you know, Hermes, who is also yep. called Mercury, the god. Right. right. So the thing about it is that, and also when you're, 
and you're transitioning between um, the moon and Mercury with cosmology. And, and you know, I'll just bring this up quickly since you brought it up, Robbie. But the moon, the, the traditional color that's associated with the moon is actually red. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is the the color spectrum, the visible color spectrum, actually gets um, stretched out across the zodiac mm-hmm. and across the um, chakras. Well, the chakras are equivalent to the spheres, also. So essentially, you've got red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, those are the seven, and those correlate to each of the seven planets. So right. when you put in order, the moon is actually red. And we know, you know, with menstru- obviously mm. menstruation, menstruation and then moon cycles and everything yeah. that regulates, that, that is red. So it's mm-hmm. not as if it doesn't fit. Everything, all these things fit in place. You just have to find out where it goes. But anyway. Understanding the symbols. Oh, yeah, understanding the symbols, absolutely. And the thing about it is um, there's you can also flip it the other way. You know, you could technically start with with purple if you wanted to, and then that places red in the head, which is with Aries, and Aries is also red. So everything, when I, you know, when I talk about astrology and cosmology, everything has the capacity to be inverted. And that's the whole uh, idea about the cosmic tree that me and Robbie also talked about on my show uh, about a month ago. Is that there's um you know there's the above portion and there's there's the below portion and they're actually complementary to each other, so that's the tree goes up and the tree goes beneath the earth and then that, yeah. that actually will delineate the dimensions for you in the spheres. Um, so anyway, back to the uh, the planets here in the in the uh, metals since that was yeah. brought up, is that we have uh, obviously we got silver for the moon and then we have mercury or you know, red Mercury, which is essentially transitioning from the moon into the sphere of Mercury, which you're going to have some residual red in there. So that's just, it's absolutely striking to me because I don't, I don't even have to stretch for meaning there. That's already part of the system that I teach. So then you've got, uh, of course, Mercury in the second sphere, and then you've got Venus in the third sphere, and Venus is um, actually copper, and copper is very antimicrobial you know it's a very like soft gentle kind of metal and it has a lot of health properties and that you know venus which represents very love very electrical yeah absolutely and very conductive of course metal you know electrical conducing yeah yeah and have a look at the color of copper too it's like an orangish you know orange, orangish red, green exactly orange, when it oxidizes Okay, and then check this out. So then that's moving into, I, you know, you can look at a lot of ways, but the color is going to be shifting um, along the spectrum there, depending on how the energy is, you know, structured and how things, molecules change. And the next step up, well, you got orange, um, yellow, and then green, of course. And so there's like this, you can see it too when like in the fall time when the leaves are changing colors that they actually will kind of shift on the, the color spectrum and the fact that in my this is what i believe it's pretty easy for me um if you understand that leaves are green you know green is kind of um it's go you know i'm alive here's the energy and then it actually will slip down it loses energy and then it changes the colors that are beneath green which are lower energy colors which is red orange and yellow and that's why we get that it's because it's dying and it's losing energy so then the color actually will shift down in the spectrum right <clears throat> excuse me so um anyway so we've got mercury then venus is copper uh and then of course we've got the sun in the fourth sphere and the metal of the sun of course is gold you know all about 
in the ancient world and yeah. it's obvious this when you look at the sun it's golden colored you know again yeah. we're not changing meaning here okay then you've got um mars and mars is of uh, course iron yeah iron uh, which iron. is you know for war which is mars is the god of war and you look at the color of mars and look what color is it you know it's rust it's iron yep, yep. stuff it's just ridiculous i just uh I, I love a show like this where you guys can get what i'm saying you know because it's not yeah, hard yeah. when you just put it in place you have to know how it fits in the system yeah and it's it's interesting like from the artist perspective you know i was trained on the color wheel and and you know and then as you go through and you start to research these symbols um you come across the miscellaneous metals that line up and the planets that line up and that even goes into herbs and crystals and you know there's a whole uh, plethora of um natural forms within the seven manifold forms of nature that correspond in accordance with this system we're talking about yes yeah absolutely and actually actually robbie i have um i just pulled out a book i'm gonna start reading today it's called magical herbalism so you're, mm. you're already you're right on that one wow nice. how's that for synchronization oh, absolutely Crazy. all right so let me let me just finish finish these plants quick so we can move on yeah, man, you, got yes, jupiter, yeah. you got jupiter in the fifth sphere um now excuse me jupiter in the sixth sphere mars is in the fifth sphere mm -hmm. jupiter's in the sixth the metal of jupiter is 10. Uh, then you have, uh, which had a lot of uses in the ancient world as well. And then you have um, Saturn in the seventh sphere. And that, that's, of course, lead, which, mm -hmm. you know, lead is heavy and dense and, you know, kind of dangerous and stuff. And Saturn is the same way. And then as, the reason that's the reason I brought this up. That there's actually three more spheres, the way that I teach it in cosmology. The seven bottom spheres are the seven traditional spheres. Um, I often say the physical world sort of ends at the seventh sphere. And so because Saturn is the god of matter, you know, and the god of materialism, and he's making sure and the physical body and everything. So yeah. you get above that, you're actually into the mind world and then the dream world, and then you're in, you're into your freedom, which is the 10th sphere. So anyway, I've seen, I spent like a day with this once back, maybe three, four years ago, and I saw a chart and I'm, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, so I understand the bottom seven. How about the eighth, ninth, and 10th? What do we have for medals for that? Mm. So it turns out that, um, you know, there's a lot of people, it'd be interesting to see a chemist perspective on this because I'm not a chemist. But the thing is, is that the uh, eighth sphere is typically associated with, uh, which is Uranus, by the way, it's associated nice. with, with the metal zinc. And nice. zinc, is, zinc is bluish, just like Uranus. Mm -hmm. The ninth one, get this, guys. So the ninth one is cobalt, and that's mm -hmm. Neptune. And that's ah. the deep, that's the deep blue that you mm -hmm. see when you look at Neptune. It's the cobalt. So mm -hmm. you've got not only do they use that color, but they put it in the right place, you right. know, in the in the diagram on the wall or on the ceiling. Right. Um, yeah. And then the very last one, the tenth sphere is associated. Well, it's Pluto or potentially Nibiru or, or a dead star or some other star is associated mm -hmm. with the best guess is actually bismuth. And if you guys know bismuth, one, one of the most radical looking metals you're ever yes, going to see. Yes. Uh, well, I, I'm not familiar with that, gentlemen. I'll hold my hands up. Yep. Now, also, uh, if you get into Greek um, philosophy, um, it was uh, Pluto that was essentially seen as the Egyptian uh, Serapis. 
and um, they said that basically worshiping um, Serapis was worshiping um, Pluto. Now, Serapis, Robbie, is that is that a mixture of the serpent and the bull? Well, Serapis was actually within the Egyptian mysteries, within the highest form of the mysteries, um, specifically reserved for the Pharaoh. Um, basically, he would, when he became Pharaoh, he would learn the secrets of Serapis. And it gets into um, Serapis, which they have the, um, the bull, as far as um, the Egyptian... Um, Serapine, um, where we see what is it they they sacrificed seventy of these bulls in in you know one sacrifice and then mummified them and basically you know in and in, entombed them in the tomb of of Serapis, um, and and the idea was. Um, lightning would strike one of these bulls right and the offspring of that bull would be a pure black bull with a white cube on it or a white square on its forehead right and you know depending on whose philosophy you look at you know there's i think it's up to 26 different factors that determine this uh serapis bull um that was said to hold the soul of osiris right and and when you get into that whole worship of serapis um they would basically have um sacrifices every so many years you know of this serapis bull much like mithra kind of worship where they would you know slaughter ah. the bull on the on the yearly turning um and we also have the um bull in crete that was the bull from neptune that was supposed to be sacrificed at a specific time and you know um uh, what was it king minos there tried to fool the gods um but nonetheless um this Serapis function um, basically went on for somewhere around 1,700 years in Egypt, like undisturbed. And it was basically the uh, secret vessel that held the soul of Osiris in its earthly form after um, Osiris had been, you know, um, uh the whole osiris mystery and he essentially became the lord of the underworld well this was his new incarnation in how he would come to the earthly presence you know and like they said if uh if the bull would breathe on children that they would become you know uh, men of great renown there was like a whole a whole you know mythology um that goes along with this serapis bull that is directly related to um the worship of pluto or the highest sphere as you were just discussing and back to bismuth fascinating that fascinating oh, description love it, it that's phenomenal man. of course you know bismuth is a it's a very like uh it forms it forms cubes within cubes and it's very iridescent and it's mm -hmm. very supernatural kind of looking so uh and it, I would encourage, cube uh, on, the, on the bull's forehead which is the the bismuth itself is a white, almost silvery like, um, with a rainbow, you know, translucent kind of sheen, almost mother of pearl esque that that you know glosses over the whole. So it sounds like it's attractive, attractive looking. You mm. think? Yeah. I, I have it. some friends that make it. Seriously. Oh yeah. Uh, you can buy you can buy it in chunks and there's a way that you heat it and um you can basically uh gr grow bismuth crystals in your kitchen is it is it, is it expensive robert expensive material 
Yeah, I don't know. I know when they make the crystals and they get really nice ones, they're really expensive when I see them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's really cool, guys. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I was going to add that, the, of course, you know, the Serapium story is it's very interesting. And you got these massive stone tombs under the ground. I think mm. there was... Um, there's either 12 of them or 24 of them it's one of the two either way it's a multiple of 12 which you know it's a zodiac but the thing is is that i've had i've had multiple thoughts about these things um some people on uh on the show ancient aliens have claimed that they're actually too large they're actually you don't even need them to be that big to fit the bowl in there that's what i've heard because they're mm -hmm. massive they're absolutely massive and so um i've had thoughts about you know some some sort of uh being being put in, into there to be in a kind of a stasis you know oh, yeah. like a suspended animation so like an alien being in these things i have no idea but i've also had someone suggest and this is something that i picked up on with um also with ancient aliens is that when you look at the outside of these tombs they actually have uh like a visual of doors within doors yeah and so it's a very dimensional uh, motif and some people have suggested and i thought about it that actually it was a test much like robbie was saying with the with the um the minotaur maze you know in, in uh, nosos and crete there is that it's a test it's a spiritual test you know you have to find your way out basically mm. and i for the highest level initiates um especially in ancient egypt i think they would have been able to actually move um through the uh well, they're part of their body. I'm not sure if it's the Ba or the Ka. I can't remember which one's which, if you guys know. But basically, the etheric body is supposed to be able to move through the stone of the tomb, turn back, and read the text on the actual tomb. Mm -hmm. I, think the, wow. I, think, I think the idea is, is that if you've proven yourself, you basically you know, would read the text out to the person outside of the tomb. And if you got mm -hmm. it correct, it meant that you had the ability you know to actually move through materials and things and then they would i guess take the top off and you could come out or something i don't know mm -hmm. but these things are you know they're very very high level mysteries yeah oh, now the oh i was just gonna say the car is the uh energetic like copy of yourself like that's in the etheric form whereas the okay. ba is your personality and then the onk is the basically the vibration of life itself. And that's you get the Kabbalank, which is where I believe Kabbalah comes from. Hey, mate. I love that. That's yeah, great, Robert. Mm. That's a, just dropped a bomb there, mate. <laughs> Quality. I mean, when you have the Hyksos, you know, basically, you know, coming out of Egypt and, you know, being essentially the Habiru who became the Israelites or the warriors of God. I mean, this would be the, the time that they're essentially carrying some of these Egyptian practices with them. And I guess it was Ezekiel in the Bible where, um, you know, they're, they're basically like, you know, maintain the mysteries, but take all the Egyptian symbolism out. And that's when Christianity kind of morphed into um, the more modern form that it has now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
what what I was uh, curious about, gentlemen, uh, this doors within doors. Do you think mm -hmm. that? Well, I'm presuming this was uh, deliberate. This, this oh, would yeah. have been uh, a, a deliberate. Um, Part yeah, of it, the old, um, do you think it was some sort of like almost as if it's some sort of like a puzzle type? Oh, yeah, totally a puzzle. I would I, say that the way that I teach dimensions and the way I teach spheres, because it's essentially the same thing, if you're in our solar system, um, you know, outside of our solar system, who knows how it works? I'm sure every possible combination, but the idea is you guys know, obviously, those uh, Russian nesting dolls. That fit inside each other like that. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Well, you can have you can be in one in a in a certain locale, and you can have all the dimension. When I actually believe this is how it works, actually, is that the dimensions are all stacked inside of each other in that right. region. That's so what you I might. Oh, you think that too, Robbie? Yeah. So you're in you're in say you're in your physical form, and. If you go up a few spheres, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to see if there's people in that sphere or there's beings in that sphere. You can't visually see them, but you can feel them because everything is energy, of course. You feel the energy there. So I think that's the idea is teaching that um, and trying to teach the initiates too that it's it's um, it's it's all stacked. They're yeah. all stacked off of each other or, or inside of each other. So all the dimensions are accessible in every every location you're in. You just have right. to be at the right frequency frequency so dave have are you familiar with the path of osiris uh probably but refresh me on that yeah i the way i look at it it's very much similar to the um jacob's ladder um where essentially each step on that ladder as you move is a step through a different sphere and the idea is, you know, um, you basically have your ka and your ba, your personality, and then your copy of yourself. And you have to, um, as you move to the Western lands, you have to go through a series of checkpoints. These, the, basically these different guards that attenuate these different dimensional realms. And in a, and as you move through them, you have to know the, uh, the special, like um signs and symbols and the special passwords and these were all things that were taught in the the ancient mysteries within egypt you know oh yeah brilliant man and that that's in the um egyptian book of the dead a little bit too i think with osiris the the, the book the book of life <laughs> the book of life oh right right exactly yeah. the book well, of coming, yeah it was the book of coming forth and it's come to be called the book of the dead Okay. Yep. All right. Nice one, mate. And and the thing, okay, the thing about that too that I want to add is that well, let me let me just say this quickly since we're talking about Osiris, um, and also about how these different ideas are shared between cultures. And if you pull up um, if you pull up like Google Images or something, and you type in Osiris and then type in Jesus after that, you're gonna mm -hmm. see that they were both shepherds. You know, they were both okay. So let's get this. They were both shepherds. They both taught about ascension, and they both taught about leaving the lower worlds, essentially, you know, going up yes. to a higher place. So to me, it's the same idea. You know, whether it's the exact same person or not, I don't really know. I mean, we could be talking about avatars where it's, it's the same spirit, but a different body that it goes into. 
But the point is, is that these things like Robbie was mentioning, and he alluded to, is that these ideas get passed back and forth between cultures and that almost nothing is an island. The, the ideas will, fl will flow freely and then the people will adapt it to what works for them. So when you're yeah. talking about Egypt, now you're talking about uh, Path of Osiris, right, Robbie? That's called? Yep. Is the same thing as the Ascension teachings, which is, you right. know, the core. It's the core of what I teach. It's the core of astrology. It's the core of cosmology as well. And, and it I is think, teaching. Yeah. And I think that also relates directly to Jacob's ladder as far as biblically. Oh, absolutely. Because Jacob's ladder is, of course, the spinal column. Right. And the, the description was that he was at the bottom and he right. had his head on a stone. The, that stone is the sacrum. Jacob's uh, which, What's that, Robbie? Jacob's pillow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. So his pillow is actually the, your pelvis, yes. um, and he's laying down there, looking up, and he's seeing angels ascending and descending up the cosmic ladder, and which is uh, it's identically equivalent to your spine, which which is what I teach when I teach biology, proper biology, of course, the chakra system in the spine. And the thing is, is that when you look at the uh, individual vertebra. They actually, this is this is gonna blow your mind, guys. If you haven't already seen this, I'm I'm assuming one of you has, but if you haven't, they look like angels. Mm, yeah. When you look at the vertebra from the top, um, and it gets even more amazing because if you look at the sphenoid bone, which is a bone kind of in the center of the skull cavity, that mm -hmm. looks like angels as well, or wow. and or an an owl, some kind mm -hmm. of a bird, but an owl, not not. Yeah, but the description of the Ark of the Covenant features two angels that are facing um, each other, and the wings are going out the back like that. Well, have a look at what the sphenoid bone looks like, S-P-H-E-N-O-I-D, sphenoid. And inside of that sphenoid bone is the pituitary gland, which also happens to look like the Ten Commandments, which it has that, that double lobe over the top of it. You know, that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a one split into two parts. That's your pituitary gland. Right. It is, uh, it, this is, it's beyond fascinating. Can I just ask one thing? Do you think this is why um, the civilizations are so familiar? Because of all of this. That's the possibility. Well, in, now, when you look at um, in the later um, empire before the decline of Egypt, that you know, towards the end, when you look at the fact that Rome came in and you actually had some of the, the Roman czars, you know, mummified and, and entombed, and you know, it, it just carries naturally um, when they're trying to shut down this idea of the Christ philosophy, um, basically the, you know, those of the anointed, um, that have taken the journey, you know, into, you know, had that, that, um, basically that journey outside of the body and come back with, with, you know, um, the various knowledge that that entails. Um, 
they were trying to shut that practice down because because it was open to everyone. So, you know, naturally, I almost think there's a direct tie over between the Romans going into Egypt and the Romans also perpetuating um, the Jesus philosophy um, to basically kind of crush this rising, you know, Christ philosophy that was, yeah. you know, initiation that was going around. So. Yeah, I would agree with that too, Robbie. And the other uh, thing, uh, yeah, I agree with Robbie. And the other thing about that is that, um, you know, for me, it was a very clear de-evolution from ancient Egypt to Rome. Uh, right. You know, and in between that, you had ancient Greece. So the Greeks, they were doing what I what I would call, I, I would say they were doing a decent job. I actually would. Yeah. By the time it got to Rome, you know, forget it. It's like all of the actual spiritual meaning was nearly lost. And then after Rome, oh, suddenly it just doesn't even exist anymore. Right. You know, and right. we're, we're yeah. over here in the United States where it's like, you know, probably the country that it would be least likely that someone would understand what me and Robbie are, are talking about right now. And that's why there's so few of us, I think, right, Robbie? Because it's like, this is not the land where it kind of, uh, well, in some ways, where the traditions it's, it's, were. It's were, modern Babylon. <laughs> I agree with that, actually. I do agree with that, yep. So, um, you know, what, what they uh, became very materialistic and, and stopped yes. understanding. And it's very cool. uh, eye-heavy and all this stuff. Yeah, even the Greeks, when you look back at the Greeks, man, the intricate ties between Grecian culture and the Egyptians. I mean, all of the Greek philosophers would send their, or, or all the Greek philosophers would be sent to Egypt to participate in the mysteries, you know. So there was an intricate, and you also have uh, Crete being linked to, um, you know, King Minos. And there's a certain point where um, we see um, the... Uh, what's it called the kilt and the double-headed axe and um the yeah, uh, lock over one side you know basically coming into greece um which directly you know sh shows the ties between ancient greece and egypt so i think that greece and egypt were you know and they have also um in greek culture they have um one of the offspring of mother rhea and i want to say it was Kronos that was actually um osiris was one of the children of of chronos in in the greek culture so you know you just see numerous ties between greece and egypt and and when you bring the roman state into it um you know basically all this stuff had to be trampled down um they wanted like homogenous thinking they wanted you know you know all roads lead to rome which is actually Rhodes itself, you know, all of Roman culture came out of Rhodes. So when you say all roads lead to Rome, you're subvertly talking about Rhodes, you know, not R-O-A-D-S, but R-H-O-D-E-S. Yeah. Right. I love that, Robert. That was the idea of the Colossus of Rhodes there in Greece, too. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to. Uh, I want to go back to this uh, the mum mummification idea that Robbie brought up because this is a really big one, and uh, you actually see some uh, relations to this idea even in Indonesia mm. and the west coast of South America. This is when it gets really weird to me because they have this thing with preserving uh, bodies that have passed, and um, 
in uh, I believe both of them actually Indonesia and in the west coast of South America they actually they actually put them in sarcophagus <laughs> sarcophagi and they sorry, actually just a hello Lloyd mate sorry lads one, one minute sorry I'll just mute it one minute okay uh, Rob you can hear me yeah I can hear you go ahead man right, I'll just keep going with the story so basically uh, the sarcophagus is then put yeah, sorry I'm the still steps. listening lads I'll just uh, change rooms now sorry lads sorry that's fine. Sure. All right. So the sarcophagus go up on the cliff ledge and they're, you know, standing up as opposed to laying down horizontally and um, kind of, I guess, looking over their descendants, you know, the people who are still alive. But they do this weird thing, man. Like uh, I saw a program on it uh, a couple of years back. It was a very extreme program, actually, where the person after, and I don't know how many people do it this way. This might actually be the way they do it in Indonesia specifically. And uh, the island, I think, is called Sulawesi. I think it's, it's pretty confined. It's a very remote island. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually looks like a, an alligator god, if you were to look at it mm -hmm. from the sky. It's a very strange-looking island. So anyway, um, uh, the person is put into a, a smokehouse, essentially, and mm -hmm. they're preserved with smoke. This, mm. is after they, this is after they've passed. And so it actually turns the skin into leather and it desiccates the organs and everything. And you leave them in there for like three weeks or something. Mm -hmm. uh, so this idea of this mummification and preservation, it's a really interesting thing. And I, I understand that. And even with, um, even with like taxidermy and things like that, I think it's the same general idea is that you want to try to preserve the, the physical visual of the, of the person to try to honor them, you know, mm -hmm. because you don't want to, look like like death you want them to look like how they looked when they were in their vibrancy now the thing with this is that i think the egyptians started doing it around 2000 bc uh mm -hmm. if you know please correct me but i think it was around there um the egyptian book of the dead is i believe supposed to come out around 1500 bc and it's interesting the teachings that i talk about in terms of ascension it actually has to do with preserving the body while you're still alive. You don't, yeah. you don't wait, you don't wait for death and then be like, Oh, let me put some salt in here and let me like, let's clean out the organs and stuff. That's not the point. <laughs> so the thing, the thing that's crazy about that for me is that even in like 1500 BC, we had already lost our way big time. Mm. We had really lost the, the key, the core components. And to, to um, answer what generally had asked, about how uh, what is the central teaching and everything is that what I always say and the way I teach it is that the core teaching of the planet is ascension. There are ascension teachings. So the idea is to get your physical body to a much higher vibrational level so that it actually, I'm being literal here, that it actually turns to photons yep. and you, you become invisible. And what's amazing too is that just last night, guys, I just finished reading the Celestine Prophecy which mm -hmm. people have been to get me to read for like 15 years. I finally read it mm -hmm. and, the, and I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, the end essentially is that that's the Ascension teaching is that you actually transition from a physical being to an immortal divine uh, light body, light which is yeah. Ascension teaching. Now, are you familiar with the 13th breath of um, some of the Buddha's teachings? The 13th breath you said? Yeah, essentially, there's 12 breaths that you can be taught. Um, okay. that you go, that, you know, and it takes a series of years to be able to master these different breath 
um, techniques that will take you into different ascended levels of reality. Um, but then once you've mastered all 12 of those breaths, there is a 13th breath that is essentially taught to you by the cosmos itself. And that breath, when you learn that breath and master it, um, you basically um, become a rainbow body and essentially transmute physically from physical matter into a, a light being, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Ron. It's just, I mean, this episode has just been littered with fascination. I mean, this... <laughs> That's what happens when you go for Egypt. <laughs> and it also happens when you are talking with two um, phenomenal guests. Thanks, guys. We wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't be if it wasn't for you two. Right. It is, uh, it is fascinating. It really is. It's fun stuff, man. It is, baby. <laughs> You know, and, and and not only that, man, but the idea, you know, we're so caught up in, you know, like we were saying, you know, the United States is like the current Babylon system, you know, and and it's it's this idea of, you know, um, what is it, the Native American, you know, concept of Watika, where essentially, you know, yeah, we're essentially um, the white man you know, has basically devoured all of the, and this is getting back to Rome and what Rome was doing, you know, um, but basically devoured all of the cultures that have been built up for hundreds of thousands of millions of years. And basically, you know, what's in the basement of the Vatican, you know, and how many levels down does that temperature control, you know, vault go, you know, um, good but show, it's, good show. you know, but, but what it is, is it's uh it's you know they've got us locked in this idea of um, materialism you know we hear about you know shopping for therapy and after 9-11 what did you know w bush said he said go sh you know keep the economy going go shopping you know it's like i mean so when we're talking about these ideas we're talking about something greater than the physical essence of you know the the day-to-day -day rigmarole of the hard found things that we have to take care of to maintain our life we're talking about ascending to a higher more beautiful you know frequency where we are whole again you know that that like alchemy talks about being the medicine for the people you know and i think alchemy again is another ascension philosophy yeah 100 percent. i agree and uh, i wanted to comment on this uh, idea of 12 that you were talking about robbie because yeah. Uh, in terms of the rainbow body, because for me, you know, that's, of course, it's astrology because there's 12 right. signs. So what it is to me is that um, the 12 signs, the best way to look at them is that they're, they're te templates. They're mm -hmm. templates that the, the uh, spirit can come into. And, and when it comes into an avatar or physical body and you, you're a, essentially you're assigned or and or you get to choose at varying ratios, uh, which which one you're going to come in under meaning which, you know, month you're born during or which sign you're born during. So the thing for me is, is that it's like once you have uh, completed all 12 templates, meaning that you've incarnated as each of these signs, then that's one way to look at it. Then you qualify mm -hmm. to you qualify essentially to complete the Zodiac. And when you complete the Zodiac, it's often called the 13th sign. Yes. Uh, that is that's the ascended master. You know, that's the 13th 
the 13th uh, person is actually usually depicted as Jesus. Because mm. he has the, the, the 12 disciples plus him makes 13. 13, correct. And then that takes you back into Osiris as well with the uh, 13 parts. Oh, he it was 13, was it? Yeah, right. Well, the phallus came up missing. So it was 14 parts, and then the uh, the phallus was thrown in the, the river and eaten by a catfish of some sort, um, which actually <laughs> the fish that ate that was, you know, if you read into that research, um, it has an electrical, that fish is an electrical fish. So it has an electrical charge. Um, but then that was essentially the symbol um, that Isis set up in order to draw the seed from the inner earth for the rebirth of Horus. Okay, this is interesting. So is that Man, like, this like, is just mind blowing this Robert. <laughs> I love it. Rob, is that was I that like it. the electric eel or what what fish was it? No, I've got the I've got the there's two fish that they've uh that they've kind of eliminated it down to. Um and the one that they go with the most, um it's almost it looks uh, a bit like a catfish. Um, but it, it does have an electrical charge as far as, um, you know, the type of entity that it is. So, well, and the, the other thing about that too, is that the reference for me, in addition, is the fact that, you know, all Ascension teachings are going to require you to get, uh, to essentially be able to domesticate your sexuality, you know, that you yes. have to get that under control. And so I feel like. Oh, the app, absolutely. The appetite, you know, with food, of course, absolutely. But the thing is, is that for me, in terms of symbolism, it's also, it's the fact that like the ascended human is not a slave to sexuality. You know, I think that's probably why that part gets thrown away. Right. right. Well, in the sexuality itself, um, when you look at it as a function and you go back to the splitting of the sexes, um, there's various points in various texts. Um, but that the idea that you have to have, um, the male generative form and the female generative form in order to to precipitate generation um it it basically is linked to the creation of matter itself so sex you know is is um a hex in a way in regard to matter you know yeah it's a trap as far as mm -hmm. i'm concerned um but it also you know i have this debate with people all the time that it gives it gives a spirit or a soul an opportunity to ascend. So if, <clears throat> so I'm okay with looking at this both ways. I mean, I mm -hmm. teaching it. I'm I'm I tend to teach don't have kids. You know, I'm going to be in a serious minority there. But mm -hmm. because you bring you're bringing someone into a challenging system. But the other way to look at it is that you're giving a spirit an opportunity to actually ascend themselves. So oh, the, yeah. I when I visualize visualize. There's a lot of, it's not just, no, it's not, when I say people, I mean spirits, you know, you can take any form you want, but there's a lot of spirits in the wait, in the waiting room, like begging, please, someone give me the opportunity to do this. I want to come, I want to give another try. So I'm okay. I'm actually okay with it if people want to do that, but we need good people in the world, you know, of course, and to change culture and everything. But the well, general idea is that, you know, what's uh, that, that was, we don't really need good people. There's a lot of bad in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, I won't say there's more bad than good, but evenly balanced, some things, you know, a lot of things, there's a lot of wrong in this world. Like, um, yeah. for example, kids being hurt, women being hurt, shouldn't be happening. Yep. Well, now, Not also, yet. I also think there's uh, something to be said 
in regard to um, the human experience. Um, you know, being a father myself, um, you know, of all the things that I do and all the things that I've ever made, you know, from my own hands, um, nothing compares to um, being a father and basically having that experience of, of, you know, connecting and raising and, and, you know, putting your belief systems and, you know, teaching them logic and rhetoric and just yeah. the, the, you know, the seven sacred, you know, um, 100% Robert. Yeah. 100%. So, There's nothing you know, comes close. I, I think yeah. that, that parentage on some level um, for some of us is a part, a necessary part of the human experience. Yeah. Again, Robert yeah, Moore, I, it's just those words, what you've just said. You couldn't have said it any better, mate. Thank you. No, yeah. Um, sure, that's man. really because it, it's not easy to um, explain what it's like um, to be a parent. It's easier said than done. Mm. But you just hit the nail on the head there, mate. That's exactly it's, what it is. It's just it's levels. Yeah, levels of understanding as you progress, man. Um, you know, our oh. I think, uh, you know, having children is one of the greatest teachers that you can you can essentially have, you know, personally, from my own personal experience. Yeah, it's um, it, 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 everything about it, Robert, is just. I mean, my my daughter, she is my she's my world, mate. Right. Everything Mine's about her. On Mine the darkest days, out. she can just yeah. um, light up a roommate. I'm sure your daughter's saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Sorry sorry to interrupt. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, sorry. Oh. You see, this is what's great is that we have um, all different perspectives on the table. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys have kids and you can be a, a wonderful example for them. You know, people who, who actually are enlightened and actually do have an, some idea of the wisdom we need that. We actually we need that as parents. You know, we need that to be represented. But my thing is That's that, fun, yeah. And my, and my thing is is that o over everything else, in terms of what I'm specifically here to do, is that we need to have people who are going to teach it correctly. And I get I get pretty worked up about this because I I look around and I'm like, come on, guys. You know, this, we're not even we're not even one percent of the way there. Why do you think that we have a, a, such a? I'll speak for the United States. A culture of such like vacuousness because yeah. you're not teaching any of the tenets you teach there's nothing there it's oh let's go watch the new animated movie at the movie theater which yeah. hey there's nothing wrong with that but yeah. if you're not if you got a medical problem you don't know how to fast you don't know how to flush your fluids mm. you go to the doctor they give you petrochemicals yeah there's a problem with that there's a right. serious problem with that stuff so the, my thing is is that for the rest of my time on this planet I want to be one of the people that people come to if you want to understand if Okay. So here's, here's the thing is that there's many different steps that you can take and we're all at different points. And that's actually a really beautiful thing. You know, we do it at our own pace, but the thing that I want to say about this is that for people who are ready to take it up a few steps or maybe more than a few steps, we need to have, what I really want to see is proper institutions of learning, which has nothing to do with anything you see out there right now. This is uh, a few people that are going to be teaching this stuff, and, and you have a long discussion before you start teaching it about how to do that properly. So that if there's someone, like for myself, for instance, who when I was three years old, I said, uh-oh, I need to get out of this place. I don't know how mm -hmm. I got here, but there's mm -hmm. something really wrong, and I want out. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about anything, anything to do with, uh, you know, 
tendencies to take your own life or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying right. ascension, which means you convert your body to light and then you, you're free to leave. There's no death involved with that at all. I want people to have access to that so that even if there's 10, there's 10 people, you know, give me 10 people that are ready to go right now. I consider my life a success and I'm so happy to have helped those people to get to that point. But you know, right now, it's not really at that point. And there's this, uh, you know, basically grasping at straws, trying to get, yeah. trying to formulate something where people will come in and to try to teach uh, the concepts properly. And, you know, for me, and Robbie had mentioned this too, is, is you gotta be, um, you really have to get control of your food intake in addition to the sexuality, because what actually has to happen. And when you eat food, it goes into the stomach. There's a huge amount of energy that's required to digest that. Well, when there's not food in there and you have the huge amount of energy now at, at your disposal, it actually is going to go in, into cleaning and healing things as long as right. the system is moving properly. So the transition that actually needs to happen for real ascension is that you have to move from taking your energy from a base material, a base matter, you know, carbon-based matter, to taking your energy directly from prana, which is the all of the electricity all around us that, that um, it, uh, animates yeah. everything. And the, the major. Exactly. And so in way back in the beginning, I think it was 2013, I wrote a, a sort of a manuscript, a little text, kind of a guide in terms of um, what is actually happening. And what I've always said is that all I'm doing is I'm attempting to restore the natural flow, the 100 percent flow of electricity through my body. And as a condition of that, you actually will it's not say spontaneously, but the end, uh, the end uh, sort of condition of that is that you do become light. Mm. You get full. It's like a, it's like a light bulb. It's the same thing. You, you have to get enough electricity in there, and the body will turn to light, which is what all of the um, depictions of Krishna and Jesus and uh, Buddha and Muhammad and, and um, all of these people. It, it's suggesting. Right. That actually, so, that's the correct way to assume. Now let's talk about food and the body itself, right? Because when you eat um, things like salt, me hungry now, that's come on, yeah. starving now suddenly. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> but when you eat salt and when you eat sugar, those are essentially crystalline, and they they crystallize within you. You know, if you if you use like salt, will make the veins brittle because you know crystallization and then now i just read a thing from tufts university that they're saying um dementia is actually uh phase three diabetes where sugar what? crystals are crystallizing around the pituitary and then different parts Jeez, of the body oh yeah so but now when we talk about um like magnesium it's a very electrical flow conductor and everybody, you know, is, is, is in need of magnesium with our current diet, you know, and then you move into some people taking silver, you know, as far as um, how that cleans the body out. Um, and then you can even go past that to the ideas of monatomic gold and what was King Solomon actually monatomic doing? gold. Yeah, the, uh, the function, um, in fact, I would claim that all disease comes from an inability of energy to move freely, freely through the body. Right. And what unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you look at it, it does give you an opportunity being in a physical body. But you have to work with fluids when you're in a physical body. 
So you actually have to work. The first thing you have to make sure you're passing properly is solids. So if the intestines are not clean, you're already, you're essentially, you're screwed. You know, you're not going to ever, you need, that needs to be clean first. The intestines, the intestines need to be crystal clear. And then the next part, when that, once that's cleared out, guys, the next thing that happens is the fluid channels start to be cleared out. And uh, that becomes very difficult because, as Robbie said, there's a lot of uh, crystal, crystallization. There's also a lot of calcification that happens. Right. There's tissues that should be, uh, they should be pliable and they've actually essentially turned into stone. And when that happens, it also it severely cuts the volume of your uh, circulatory structure so that even if you do have nutrients passing through, you can't get them in fast enough because it's too narrow. The, the channels are too narrow now. So it's many compounded things that happen. And then on top of that is the viscosity of the fluid in your body and the thickness of that fluid and the clean, uh, cleanliness of that fluid as well. And one of the things, and I agree with this 100%, if people are trying to fast, do not use sea salt. Do absolutely mm. do use that. Sea salt has uh, 84 different minerals in it, including gold and lead, uh, some of the heaviest metals that exist. And um, and that's coming from it comes from the land, you know, so it gets it gets suspended in the ocean then it gets mixed up and everything. Uh, mercury, there's mercury and sea salt. So if you're talking about fasting and you want to get your fluids as uh, free, as as free flowing as possible, you need to cut the density down a significant degree. And when you're putting in heavy metals to your body, how easy do you think that is to pass through, especially when, you, when you've got calcified tissue? Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition to that, you've got, <clears throat> you know, oils and fats not being able to filter out through your liquid systems. And then on top of that, you're putting gold and mercury in your blood. You know, like, you're not you're not going to fast out. The Hindus know that, too, uh, by the way, guys. They know do not use salt when you're fasting. Right. I will say one thing, Dave. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, this is, uh, I am made up, you've mentioned this. This is. Uh, imperative this is as important as anything oh absolutely yeah and because so putting that kind of shit in your body not i mean not that we've probably been peppering our body with it for fucking years like but yeah but even now when you look at the industrial food society that's created as a result of you know um the great depression's policy in a chicken in every pot you know yeah. um food science itself is not concerned about the health of the food they're concerned about the amount of calories they can get into someone, you know? So, and, and then you start looking at the various salts and stuff that they are putting in foods. And these are not even natural salts. These are like synthetic salts that are lab made. You know, you you really have to even begin to question what those are doing past what we can conceive of with you know the natural matrix of salt and the, the other things that we're putting in our body uh, before um before you continue could you explain to listeners which which is the best salt that you could recommend use go ahead dave i want to hear what you have to say well i used to use i used to use pink himalayan salt uh, which himalayan. is well, I, yeah, and I'm just, this is the lead up to what my answer is going to be. Um, but back when I started to work with, <clears throat> when I actually started to work with salts, I, I chose pink Himalayan because it's from the, um, it's from the primordial ocean, you know, which is basically, it's now on land. They're in, they're in mines that used to be like 
associated with water or underwater. And we didn't have all the contaminants that we have in the oceans today. And so it's like essentially some of the cleanest salt you're going to get. Right. Uh, however, however, it has all the components of sea salt in it, which again, you're going to be running into the same problems uh, with gold, lead and mercury and the really heavy metals. And um, they are they're biologically available metals. Yes, but it does not that does not discount the fact of how heavy they are. And when you're, when you're just talking about fluid dynamics, you know, try to like, I mean, you can do an experiment with a, if you're a plumber, for instance, just take a pipe, put some like lead in there and, and see how much water pressure you need to pass that lead through the pipe. And then that's when you get your heart attack, you know, yeah. because you can't, you can't push that is trying desperately trying to get your fluid through. But if there's blockages then you end up with a, you know, potentially a heart attack or a coma and stuff like this. But anyway, what I would say, and, you know, there's going to be people out there that are probably going to disagree with this. And that's fine with me. You know, and the other question that I have for, the, for those people that disagree, how much time have you spent with fasting? I've been doing it for 15 years. Mm. You know? So the point is, is that I don't care about what the texts say. I care about what my body says when I experiment with it. Mm, and just... if I. Oh, exactly. It's direct knowledge. You know, it's firsthand experience. So if I feel like. um the oxygen is being choked in my body or in the brain, or if I feel like there's coagulation happening, then I don't, you can put that shit in the trash, put yeah, your yeah. studies in the trash, dude. I don't give a shit. Excuse my so language. Basically, basically Dave's trying to say, uh, listeners that, um, you know, he's been doing this for years. So, um, take his worth. If it works for him, it will no doubt work for you. Yeah, and, and if, he's if, not just some chat. He's not just chatting bullshit and reading it no. off. It's actual. Uh, it's like his testimony, basically, he's telling you what what works for him. Right. So, Dave, um, what um, can you put in your body that's going to help um, lighten your fluids and lighten your? Because we, you know, we're talking very heavy here as far as these metallic you know, things that, that weigh you down. And so what, let's head the other direction. What, what is a, what are positive things that you found that help, you know, move these fluids? Well, the, um, the back to the salt component to answer that for a second is that the, uh, I just use table salt, mm. you know, table, table salt is sodium chloride. There's only two elements in that. Yep. Um, it's not lead or gold or any of this heavy stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't overdo it, but if I want salt on something, I feel it's, the exact same. I don't feel like there's any um, yeah. coagulation, not coagulation. I don't feel like there's a density block that happens right. when I put that right. in. But let me and put it this way. It's a simple compound, you know. So, oh, yeah. like you're saying, there's nothing else in it. Yeah, exactly. It's just the two. Yeah. Um, can, I, and, can I just ask one thing, please, Dave and uh, Robert? Kosher salt, is that... Um... Because you hear a lot of uh, people mention kosher salt, especially like cooking programs, or it's meant to be the best. And, and they, what's your um, Bless you, my or your ex? <laughs> um, <laughs> is that all it is? That's all kosher means. Is it's it's within the Judaic um, restrictions of the food laws. And they're supposed to have periodic inspections. And basically, if it says kosher on it, then a rabbi has come to make sure, you know, it applies to food purity laws. And yeah. then it's thereby blessed. And then it's kosher for Passover. 
So is that, would you say, similar to uh, halal when they bless the meat, etc.? Would it be in that time type of well, context? Like, yeah, something right, okay. along those lines. Yeah. Can you get uh, can you get uh, halal uh, salt? Oh, I don't know. I actually I don't know about that either. But um, <laughs> I, what I would what I would say is that um, if you want to see if you want to see and by the way. Sea salt is extremely powerful. It's very, very, very conductive to a shocking level. But mm -hmm. here's the problem is that if you don't have the fluid in your body, if you don't have a um, open fluid system that you've already established, it's going to cause uh, density problems and it's going to prevent your blood flow. If, you, if you're an athlete, you're really strong and you're able to excrete all the fluids you take in every day, you, you'll probably be okay. Um, but when, here's when the magic happens: is, is is that if you were to combi um, combine oil with salt, then those are the real components of ascension. Mm. And so when I ascension, I'm teaching actual scientific principles. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not uh, putting anyone down at all. I value everyone's contributions. But if you're going in and you're talking about, oh, let me meditate or let me chant, you know, for ascension and stuff, or let me like hold my breath or something. No, fine. Or do yoga or stretch or exercise or whatever. But, and I will hang my hat on this for the rest of my time on the planet. You have to get your fluids refined. You have to get your circulation established properly. And then everything will work itself out. You actually be in the health. So in terms of the oil, now oil is the principle of Ayurvedic medicine. It's a mm -hmm. combination oil and fasting and also uh, at times salt depending on when you're putting it in but the whole point of this is that we need to understand the fat the fat component in the body and let me just say, i don't know how much time we got left guys we got like 10 minutes or something yeah roughly yeah okay so uh, i just want to say this about this topic is that in the old testament the God of the Old Testament, who for me is not the God of the New Testament. Again, I understand this is controversial for some for some people, mm. but uh, the God that I feel in my heart as a Christ, as the Christian God does not ask for animal sacrifices. That is perverse. You don't splatter blood on altars. You know, are you kidding me? I mean, people looking at that saying, "Oh, I like that." You know, I want to show people that and teach them. No, no the the God of Love does not ask for perverse things like that. Well, and the God, yeah, the God that requires blood is actually, you know, um, in the earth. Um, and the blood was generally spilled on the earth to feed, you know, the God, the ancestors or the gods of old. So. Exactly. And that, and to me, that indicates it's a lower form, you know, or a lower entity. Exactly. Um, generally speaking. But the thing about it is that what I wanted to point I wanted to get at was that this God asked for the fat and it was a pleasing aroma. And they said, don't eat the fat, save the fat for me, but you guys can eat the meat. It's because they know about the components of Ascension. They know mm -hmm. about animal fat and how incredibly powerful that is, uh, the healing properties in the body. Again, though, if you have too much of that, then you're going to end up with too much density and too much, um, uh, too much, um, slipperiness kind of in your bloodstream which actually ends up also preventing detox so it's a very it's a very um involved process you know i've dedicated my life to it and it's um it's actually the only reason that i'm able to work at the the level i can in terms of integrating ideas getting downloads from uh, divine sources you know uh, doing um 
the best for humanity, the best I can offer for people. But it, there is science behind it. There is absolutely science behind it. And for anyone who wants to just kind of um, scratch the surface, you know, pick up, uh, and it's available online for free, I believe. But the uh, finest text that you're going to find, the finest text that I found for true medicine is called the Sushruta Samhita. That's S U S H R U T A S-U-S-H-R-U-T-A space S-A-M-H-I-T-A. And this is the core text for Ayurvedic medicine. It talks about fasting. It talks about oils. It talks about the integrity of the sex cells. It talks about the uh, sexual fluids. It talks about how before you're going to have a kid, you need to make sure your body's clean. You need to make sure your fluids are clean, that you have good circulation so that you can get the power to the uh, you know, sperm and the egg and everything. So these are the principles that we're missing. And um, I know it's, uh, it's not for everyone. I totally understand that. But like I was saying before, is that for people who want that and who are ready for that, you know, you, you, you generally want to be kind of guided into this. You know, it, it can be complex. It can at times be dangerous. You want to make sure you're still talking to your doctor if you're going to attempt to do something like this. Make sure you can, your body can handle it. And the thing is, is that eventually we'll get people to a point where we're getting actually uh, we're making some progress. And I think I actually think since we're talking about Egypt, I think that um, the Great Pyramid. It was a uh, it was a portal, essentially, you know, or like a, a, a stargate is the word I was looking yeah. for. That makes so, sense. Right? Well, right. So what I think the idea is, is I think the idea is, is that you lay in the king's chamber. Uh, you get a huge amount of vibration moving through the pyramid, which is going to, in turn, <clears throat> actually vibrate your physical body. And when you and I know this for a fact, because I've been working with this for a long time. But when you vibrate your fluids in your body consistently enough and for a long enough period of time, they start to flow. Actually, they start to flow again. That's why. When you have a high level exercise or you have, say, sexual activity, it actually it excites that fluid and it starts to move it through the body. And then you get the you get you get into this high state where you have a lot of blood flow that's happening, <clears throat> a lot of warmth that's moving through your body. That's how you know the blood is moving. Um, so I think what happened is the, the Great Pyramid vibrated the fluid so much that actually you had a high enough quantity of that that actually was able to uh, penetrate into the pineal gland. And then when that gets turned on, then your body can actually, uh, the etheric body can separate and you can go through those, uh, those air shafts, which are pointed at the star systems that the Egyptians venerated. Mm. So wow. it, well, they're, they're, physical, they're physical principles. If you, if you were to shake, it's, you know what it's like? It's like taking a ketchup bottle and it's like, oh man, this damn thing won't come out the bottom. Well, you have to shake it pretty hard. And then now it, a viscous fluid turned into a flu, into a actual flowing fluid again, and that's mm -hmm. the same principle in your body. You have to, mm -hmm. and and the other one, at um in Cambodia, which is at Angkor Wat, you oh. see the re the relief called the uh, turning of the cosmic milk ocean. Mm. And me again, that's talking about your fluids in your body, specifically the sexual fluid and the lymph fluid, which are the milk uh, the milky white fluids in the body. Uh, you have to get that to flow properly. And the story is, is that the serpent, you know, you've got the angels and demons, one on each side, and they're pulling the serpent and churning the fluids. Well, the serpent, that's your spinal cord. And when you 
when you really you, and actually this is my goodness it's the same thing with shakespeare this whole mm. idea of shakespeare which is shaking the spear the spear yeah. is the spinal cord you have to shake the crap out of it and then it's going to get your fluids to move as you're supposed to move the other way to do it is that you just need to um you need to clean out the body and reestablish the structures. You don't have to like violently shake your fluids necessarily. But what I'm saying is that it takes a lot to shake up, you know, I would say, I mean, sustained activity, maybe at least half an hour for most people probably to get things flowing uh, somewhat decently. The right. problem is if you have health complications that could also uh, put you in the hospital. You know, it, this is not something it's, it's going to be, it's going to be specific to each person. You don't want to push it uh, too hard, you know, before you're ready. Well, and back to the pyramid uh, you were talking about as far as uh, the king's chamber. Um, if you had all of your fluids in order and moving appropriately, and then in the king's chamber itself, you're essentially talking about blocking out all, you know, earthly magnetic fields, all the cosmic waves. You're actually isolating yourself almost in a Faraday cage, you know. Oh. Yeah, brilliant, Robbie. Yeah, that's right, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. yeah, so and, and, awesome. and that's, that's the other thing too is all the EMF things. Yeah. Um, they compete with your natural field, and in a lot of cases, they will actually harm your natural uh, etheric yeah. field or your, uh, your Merkaba that you're trying to form. Yeah, and I think so even going back to all the ancient prophets, you know, they were all brought up in a cave. Zeus was brought up in a cave. Um, Abraham was brought up in a cave. Jesus was, you know, born in either a manger or a cave. You just see over and over this idea of, um, and even the Zadoks, the ancient Zadok priests under Noah, they would walk around the Dead Sea and spend, you know, long times in caves meditating. You know, Ignatius Loyola, when he had his epiphany, he was in a cave meditating. You just see this, this phenomena of isolating the energetic form, you know, to, 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 facilitate turning yeah absolutely and then you're also going to be picking up the uh the very uh, helpful and vital telluric currents you know coming in mm. the, the natural earth rhythms to help you but um the other thing too the allusion to the cave is often the the skull actually yeah yeah and uh, this will be interesting for for general lee especially i think because of where you mate, live mate, my, my brain's pickled with all this talk what you're on about you've <laughs> probably blown my mind it's incredible oh yeah okay well check, <laughs> I love check, it. This, uh, check, check this part check this part out so uh the holy grail now you know there's many many actually meanings for that and there's many i would say yes. correct i would say there's many correct interpretations even for that the one that I like to uh, talk about the most because we're talking about ascension. You know, I want people, what I want most for people is to have their freedom uh, in, let's see what word I'm going to use, in uh, a proper relation to how much they've demonstrated they can be trusted by the universe. You know, mm. basically it's like a parent with a kid is saying, if I give you this freedom, what are you going to do with it? You know, you better be doing good things and helping people. And if you're not, then I'm going to take some of that freedom away. But what I want is for people to have their freedom to travel the cosmos, to be who they want to be, to be with who they want to be with, to not have these limitations and not have to like work all the time and all these things if they don't want to. Um, but that's going to be in keeping with also with their karmic balance is what I would say is that you don't you don't qualify to move on until you've kind of balanced your karma out. But well, the thing about it. No, I was, was going to say also, um, you know, you have the mystery of Golgotha, 
which essentially, you know, where was Jesus crucified? At Golgotha. And the, you know, if you translate Golgotha, it's the skull. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Wow. It's just uh, well, more coincidences, Robert. Mm. So the other part about that, too, is and I learned this from Santos Bonacci. He's got a wonderful uh, channel. And actually, I have several of his videos on my channel, too, under the educational video section. If you guys want to check this out. But the uh, cross is actually a double cross, the double cross of nerves at the base of your skull. Right. And the crucifixion, it means to multiply. You're talking about multiplying your current, your electric current times 1000, mm. which is why the um, it's why you have the thousand petal lotus flower, because that's representing the crown chakra. And in yeah. fact, the crown chakra has a thousand uh, energy output points. So wow. and the top of the pillars at uh king solomon's temple were thousand petaled lotuses oh exactly yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah they all they all knew this stuff you know and, and i'm i'm really tired of uh of, uh, of people beating around the well a lot of people first of all don't even understand what it is and mm. then there's like robbie mentioned at the outset of the program you know governments and politics and control systems coming in to try to subvert and all this stuff well, you know what? We're in 2023, so we're we're gonna start just saying what it is, you know. And I'll do it myself if people are not on board with me, because uh, we need to teach what it actually is, and we need to teach it so people can make progress. Um, you know, something, Dave. That I was gonna say, right? You're how you are, and and the same goes for Robert. It's all about progression. I guess I'm yeah. the same. I, I like um, progression. Um, um, those governments they're against they, they don't want us to do this yeah that's probably why they're trying to fill us full of shit yeah that's right you know and, and the way i've i've been up against it is that uh you know if i'm not going to be directly assisted to help bring this to people then i'll do it myself hmm. you know what I, it does fine with me you know i started my own youtube channel um started my own podcast and the people who are ready and the people who are interested come to my channel. Right. And that's how I like to do yeah. it. I'm not, it's not for everyone. I get it. But we're not going to we're not going to uh, misrepresent what the teachings are anymore. You know, and if, if people are coming to me, that's not going to happen at all. Uh, mm -hmm. I do look at all of the levels at the same time. And like I was saying, is that many times there's actually many different answers that are correct. And in terms of the Holy Grail. Uh, I just wanted to finish off with that is that, you know, some people say it's the bloodline of Jesus. Jesus had a, a wife and children. Uh, I, I believe actually that is one of the meanings. But the other one, there's two more that I focus on. One of them is that if you look at your neck, if you look at your neck and imagine that you're holding a, a, a wine chalice, well, the neck is the handle of the wine chalice. And then the, cha the chalice is, itself is actually the skull. Mm with the top of it removed essentially you know that's mm -hmm. that's your goblet right there um and then the other one is uh the uterus which is also depicted as a uh a cup you know the, mm -hmm. the actual uterus is the vessel and the birth canal is the handle interesting that mate very interesting mm -hmm. yeah so um you know it's all it's all there for us guys we just uh you know, I, I just I, I can't watch it happening anymore. It just uh, I know these things were guarded, but even if you know what to do, you still have to put in the work, and it is really difficult. This is a lifetime commitment. 
to kind of clean your body and reestablish your uh, cells, your cellular structure. Yeah, I mean, I will um, put your links in the show notes, Dave. But if you haven't checked out Dave's YouTube, um, he's not just saying this chat and shit. It is <laughs> the, the content is what? Well, how can I word this? It is well for a start. I love it, and it is unique. But that's the old good thing about it, Dave. Um, if we all had the same kind of material, it would not be interesting whatsoever. Mm. We'll have to continue walking down this road. Oh, definitely. We uh, mm. we've barely scratched the surface, I believe, and I'm just, and my mind is seriously fucking blown. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> uh, Dave. Wow, Robbie. Wow. <laughs> Um, right, um, oh, we're, well, we're, we're sort of pushed for time now, so if we wrap things up here, thought it's going to have to be a part of this, definitely. Dave, would you like to let everybody know where they can get hold of you, please, sir? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back, General and uh, Rob. Wow. It's always great, great to have you as a, um, a companion going through these topics. It's just wonderful. For sure. Uh, if you guys want to find me, Facebook's probably the best. Uh, Dave Petrella on Facebook. That's P like Peter, E T R E L L A. Uh, I've also got a YouTube channel under the same name, and I update that frequently. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Dave Petrella12, and uh, I, I provide services. So if, uh, if you guys are looking for astrology services, I do full tropical astrology, including birth charts, relationship matching. Uh, business applications, helping you choose the best days for success uh, in your life. And then uh, I also do, as you heard during this conversation, I do a lot with health tips that are based on uh, principles that are coming from pre-Ayurvedic medicine, which has to do with fasting and uh, fluids, oils, salts, establishing your uh, proper circulatory system in your body. I can help with health tips. And then uh, I also do spiritual guidance if you're just trying to find uh, what the right path is for you in life, because, you know, it's not necessarily the same path that I have or that General Lee has or that Robbie has. But uh, I'm trying to help people become the best version of themselves, you know, and, and I'm not a judgmental person. We're all different points. Uh, it's a fostering relationship. You know, it's a place where I want people to feel comfortable. So feel free to send me a message, guys. Nice. Nice one, mate. Uh, I love that. Robert, would you like to let everyone know they can get older, please, sir? Um, yeah, if you just Google R Marks, M-A-R-X, artist, um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and then also I have the Meta Mindcast, which is M-E-T-T-A, as in the Buddhist um, philosophy of all giving love. Um, Meta Mindcast, all one word. Um, I'm on all the pod services at this point. So at least most Love of them, it. I think. But yeah, that's it. Gentlemen, <laughs> um, wow, that was um, extraordinary. That was a good um, time. Did not expect that. That was incredible. Seriously incredible. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank you guys too. Probably. Yeah, legendary, mate. Legendary lads. Um, I'm going to stop recording now. I'm going to stop recording. But thanks again. Thanks again. <laughs>
met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.